Hello and welcome. This is the Bits vs. Byte podcast. I'm your host, I'm Grich, and today with me is uh, Noah Laphart. He is the co-founder for Variable and also a podcast host himself for Code Story. So welcome, Noah. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. And no problem at all. Uh, could you tell a little bit about uh, Code Story because that's your podcast that you started? Uh, could you tell a little bit about how that came along and uh, why you why you started that podcast? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, you know, Code Story started out as me looking for a podcast like Code Story. So, you know, I, I've been a podcast listener for quite a while, um, and one of my favorite, most favorite podcasts is How I Built This with Guy Raz. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I would listen to that, um, almost obsessively. Uh, it's, it's been more regular now, but it, I, I would, when I first found it, I would could just consume it, uh, like crazy. And I loved how guy would, um, tell a story. I love how he would create, uh, and craft a narrative, not only with how he was interviewing someone and the types of questions he was asking, but in how he would, um, and how him and his team would, uh, lay a music bed would sort of create tension with the music and the teaser and all those sorts of things. And I was hooked. I was like, man, this is great. Uh, I'm a tech guy. So uh, I would, you know, I, I, I was like, well, I wonder if I can find one of these for you know, like tech stories. I'm a CTO and uh, you know, what sort of stories could, um, you know, that could relate to me a little more because guy does some of those, but there, it also bounces around to different businesses. So I was like, I looked around for it and I found some that, that did a pretty good job, but didn't really do the music, didn't really try to craft a story. It was more of just a, of a general interview, which is fine. Uh, it's a different type of podcast for like a kind of total audio experience. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I had been itching to, to kind of start my own. I had a couple of friends that started their own podcast. I was like, this is cool. You know, there's, there's a, a little bit of, of expression in the audio format and creating something like that. So I was like, this is cool. It's, I'm, I'm going to try it. And I decided to just do it, jump out and do it on my own. Um, and I was having conversations with other CTOs about the things that I wanted to really hear uh, in a podcast as well. So I was like, well, I've got the network and I've got the drive. Let's go do it. So um, interviewed my my first interview was uh, with my college roommate, longtime college roommate, Ryland Barnes, longtime friend college roommate <laughs> we weren't in college for a long time um and uh and he was he's a successful tech entrepreneur as well um and, and i was i just like hey i got this idea he thought it was great i was like well you're gonna be my first interviewer then so or interviewee or whatever the you know, the term is there did the interview and it took me six months to edit the first episode <laughs> and, <laughs> and then i realized i was like okay i'm getting in my own way here um I found an editor to, to work with me. His name was George Macharco for, for season one. And he did a fantastic job, really latched on to the vision of the music and how we were trying to drive a story. And so we kicked off, launched the first episode in, in June of last year. And, and, um, and here we are nearly 40 episodes in. Oh, very cool. And uh, w- w- you mentioned it a little bit, but what spoke to you more about the like podcast format? Because you could do it with video as well and stuff like that. What was it that spoke to you about podcasts? Sure. Um, you know, I, I I had been a long time listener to podcasts before I started one, and so I saw the I saw the value in you know, having the categorization, having the static content. Um, you know, uh, sort of like radio on demand where you could sort of pick the topics you want, uh, pick the people you want to listen to. You don't have to listen to just whatever's broadcasting around you. I really like that. Um, I, I like the audio format too. I'm, I'm a musician. I've been a musician for a long time. And so something about the, the producing the audio, um, uh, even even if we weren't we weren't doing music behind it like a music bed, even just producing and editing the vocals was really fun to me. It was it was a, mm. a, a bit artistic um, in that, and and then add in the music and the tension with how we craft the story um, it was just really attractive. Yeah, and uh, when you when you think about it, and as you uh, as you explained it, it's a little bit like uh, what the what this podcast is about as well, where I talk to all kinds of people. Uh, the the kind of initial idea was also 
like people from tech, right? People that have a, a technolo- technology background and stuff like that. But it expanded a little bit more because that's not my only kind of interest, right? And I think um, a lot of podcasts are driven by the interest that someone has in a particular topic, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the thing. It's A lot of people listen to it and they are like, okay, yeah, uh, you do this podcast on this and this. But why you're doing that, that's that's almost always when you look at the hosts that are doing these podcasts, it's always close and dear to their heart, right? It's always something that has something to do with their background or something like that, right? Yeah, right um, on. So those are kind of things that are that that, that are interesting uh, to me to 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 also hear from someone else that's also doing a podcast where um, it's it's almost always. Uh, of course, it needs to be interesting to yourself as well, and but. Uh, in that you're also having a target audience for that because there's always some other people that have the same kind of interest or at least want to know about Uh, and i i did it because um there were no well there were podcasts in the netherlands that's not the point but it was all in dutch right and Mm. uh, there are a lot of cool companies in the netherlands that are not being highlighted because they're doing a podcast in dutch and how many Dutch speaking people are there? I mean, you have a little part of Belgium and the Netherlands and that's it. Mm. Uh, and uh, that's the reason why I'm I'm doing the podcast in English. And it's uh, when I look at the kind of map of, uh, of people that are visiting the website, for example, almost all countries have been there. So that, that, that does say something uh, instead of doing something in uh, a native tongue, which would have been uh, cool as well but uh, i mean a lot of a lot of our, uh, a lot of the guests that i've had don't speak dutch as well you mm-hmm. also have that problem where uh, even even ctos or founders in the netherlands there are people that don't speak dutch mm-hmm. that uh, just migrated here and are, are living here but don't speak the language yet so those are kind of the things that um, that i've noticed when when starting out a podcast as well uh, so you mentioned that you did uh, you did your first one with a friend and college roommate. Um, why was that? Why why him? Why not someone else? Or why was that? Sure, I think there was a bit of a there was some comfort level. Um, you know, he's he's been a longtime friend of mine, and we were in each other's weddings. We were college roommates for for four or five years, and um, and so he's been a good friend of mine. He's also, you know, I look up to him a lot from a um, technology standpoint, a you know tech entrepreneur standpoint. He jumped out early on and and had some successes, and you know, so I followed his journey and and um, learned a lot from the things that he went through. Not only building technology, but you know, raising money, um, you know, um, selling his company, things like that. Uh, so I got to kind of ride along with him as his friend. And so it was easy to just be like, Hey, you've done all of this. You've built these things. Um, you know, Hey, what, why don't you, why don't you come over and we have a, you know, a glass of scotch and we just talk for an hour and see how the conversation goes, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. funny on the original tracks, you can hear this clink, 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 you know, just like that. <laughs> yeah, a, you're a little, just drinking. <laughs> a little, a little nightcap, you know, and, and, and not, you know, not too much where by the end we're slurring our words. Obviously we only had, had a glass, but, but it, it was nice, you know, it was nice to have, catch up with an old friend and, you know, that's kind of also, it's interesting that, that I say it like that. That's kind of the feel I want the conversations to have when I talk to other CTOs, just be like, Hey, you know, I've had people come on and try to recite, um, you know, something about their, you know, their business or things that they have, you know, written down about, um, the, the stories that they've, they've worked in. I was like, I had to stop them a couple, I've had to stop people a couple of times and just be like, Hey, you know, just pretend we're at a coffee shop and we're having coffee and you're telling me, you know, about all the stuff you went through. That's what I'm looking for. Cause that's the real mm. story. You know, I, I want, I want to surface the human side of the tech builder, um, which has tech in it, but it also has, you know, the emotions, the trade-offs, the, oh, crap, we broke that, you know, those types of things. Um, and, yeah. and that doesn't come from recited answers. It comes from, like, yeah, I remember that. And I'm going to speak from that memory and that emotion. Yeah, and um, I've had that myself. And I also feel you can hear that right you can hear when someone is kind of kind of just doing a riddle right they're just mm-hmm. going off and they're like uh this and this and this and they're just reading off a piece of paper i mean you can hear that it's the same 
it's kind of a bit like the same when you're doing a presentation or speaking and then you have the whole text on the screen and you're, then you're kind of reciting the whole text that's on the screen and everybody's like, why are you doing that, right? right, right. <laughs> just just tell me what, 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 what you want to tell me, right? That's right. So th- that, that's something that, uh, that is a, it, it's a good tip, I think, for a lot of people that want to start a podcast, right? Uh, find guests. You can't always find guests that you are comfortable with, but you can at least get them to tell them their story by asking the right questions in the right way, right? That, that's the thing. That's right. Um, if you had to give someone, uh, say, for instance, there's someone that that's listening now and is like, okay, I want to start a podcast or something like that. Uh, what are some of the, the learnings you've had from, uh, from doing your podcast as well? Sure. That's a, that's a great question. You know, um, I've learned a lot. I, you know, I started out trying to do everything myself. Um, so I would, I would say, you know, <clears throat> out of the gate, if you can, if you have the resources to, to build a team, or if you have a resources to not only be the only one doing it with you, it's going to move a lot faster and a lot smoother. I, I would say that for sure. Um, but also, you know, podcasting is, it can be a, a solo sport, you know, you can do all the editing you can do. There's great tools out there to do everything you need to do. Um, so if you have that drive and the time, um, then you can also do that. So it's, it's kind of a mixed answer there on that part of it. Um, I would say too, uh, don't overthink the, the format and the content jump out mm-hmm. there and give it a shot. Uh, I, you know, I look at the, the outline that I have for each episode right now, for as far as the questions that I follow and it, it probably took me, you know, six or seven episodes to really get to, um, a comfortable interview cadence where I knew what I was going to ask and I knew where uh, I might dig in differently and I knew exactly where to come back and get back onto the spine of the, the interview. Um, so, but I wouldn't have figured that out if I didn't just jump out there and do it. Um, so record some episodes, get out there and talk to people, listen to podcasts, ask podcasters questions because podcasters, it's a great community. Everybody's willing to help. Um, Absolutely. You know, but but really, just jump out there and do it, and and adjust as you as you you know start to produce your content. Yeah, and um, while while you were t- talking about that, I was also thinking about uh, when I was starting out. Uh, I I of course did. Uh, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna look at the big names, right? I look at the big names that uh, can come and talk on the podcast instead of doing like going through a process of just talking to one someone first before you actually have them on the show so do you also do that kind of it's kind of like a screening if you if this is an interesting guest or not do do you do that as well you know i I should do more of that um i I actually don't uh i don't do a screening before we jump on to the uh, actual interview part of it i'll have a quick conversation um, I've sort of set up the first part of my interviews as a icebreaker throwaway mm-hmm. section. So where, where, you know, I'm like, before we jump into the company, tell me about you, you know, tell me about you outside of technology, Absolutely. you know, tell me about, do you have family? Do you have hobbies? You know, what, what led you to this path? Where'd you go to school? Did you go to school? You know, like, what do you like to do? Um, things like that. And I use that information to create the introduction for like where I record my voice and introduce the guest. Um, but I don't include it in, in the actual episode. Um, and that gives us a little bit of time to get to know each other. Um, and, and I'll pry too. I'll, I'll, if, if it's just kind of a short answer, I'll start prying and be like, okay, what about family or you know, what do you do on the weekends? Okay. You do this thing. Well, like I had a, I had a, a, a guy that was telling me he did jujitsu and I was like, okay, what is it about jujitsu that you take away and use in your coding? You know, and so that, mm. that led off, you know, into a, a cool little conversation that warmed, warmed up our interactions. And then by the time we get to the interview, it just felt really natural. Yeah, and th- that's something that a lot of people forget, right? Uh, not everybody, uh, not everybody is being interviewed on a daily basis, right? Uh, especially, uh, especially tech guys, actually, uh, tech guys <laughs> <Yeah>. and girls. <laughs> yeah. They 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 usually have a wealth of knowledge, but they're they're not always the best communicators, or at least you need to get them to communicate, right? You get you need to kind of uh, get that out of them. I, that's that's something that I've noticed as a host as well, where it's it's sometimes it's really hard to have a conversation, right? As, especially when the guest is being 
not like yeah. um, they're not being uh, they're not being difficult, but that's this maybe just how they are, right? They're they're really short in their answers because they want to be concise. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you just want someone to ramble on a little bit because you're like, uh, I, I want I want to get some information from you, right? You're the guest, I, you're the kind of star of the the, the whole podcast. So uh, uh, when I I kind of try to um, to speak as less as possible, right? As uh, I, I I tend to do to do that to say to the guest, okay, you have the time, right? You don't need to rush anything. You don't need to rush your your story. Just tell what you want that want people to know, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something that uh, that I've noticed. And what you mentioned about the personal part is interesting. Um, because it, what, what's interesting about that is that, um, that you can, uh, you can, you can really get to know someone. I, that's, that's my first question as, as well to all my guests, like, okay, what's your background? So what, what, how did you start? How did you start this company? How did that come about? So those are kind of the things that I, uh, that I usually ask the first uh, as a first question i i didn't ask it for you but <laughs> but i'll gonna i'm gonna do it right now but uh, I, and maybe it w- would be interesting for uh for people to know what your kind of background is and also um what you do in a on a day-to-day basis sure sure so um see background uh for me um i've been married for 11 years so i'm a, i'm a husband um, I'm a, a dad of three. I have an eight-year-old, a five, uh, excuse me, six-year-old, eight-year-old, six-year-old, and four-year-old next week. Um, so full house at home. Uh, I have been a tech guy for over 15 years now. Um, you know, graduated uh, undergrad with a computer science degree and an applied mathematics degree. So I tried to pick the geekiest things possible and just see if they would work out, and, and it did. <laughs> it did. It worked out okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, I jumped out, did some corporate consulting for a year, and then worked at Alcon Laboratories for eight years. So I worked in corporate America for a long time and uh, was very well taken care of, worked with some amazing people, but um, realized something wasn't, something wasn't fulfilling for me. It wasn't scratching the itch um, that I had, and it was uh, being an entrepreneur. It was sort of controlling my own destiny, you know, not having... Um, I say controlling my own destiny, but essentially not having a floor underneath me, but not having a ceiling either. You know, I could work as hard as I wanted to make the difference that I wanted to make. And that was really attractive to me. So um, in April 2015, I left uh, Alcon to start my own mobile development agency. Did that for a couple of years, uh, built mobile apps, built startup platforms, those apps, uh, websites, things like that. Um, And then got the itch again to do my own. To like, okay, I, I build people startups. I know how to do this. Um, I'm not really an idea guy, but I want to latch on to an idea guy and, yeah. um, and you know, go, go build some solutions. So actually, I reached out to uh, uh, Ryland Barnes. I mentioned earlier, um, my good friend. I was like, hey, if you know any of anybody um, that's looking, you know, introduce me. I'd, I'd love to just chat and see if there's, there's a fit there. And he immediately said, you need to go talk to Mike. Um, so Mike Kinder is my current partner uh, at variable, which I'll, I'll, I'll talk about in just a minute. Um, yeah. he, he introduced me to Mike and we sat down and had dinner and, and, uh, Mike was like, I have this idea around manufacturing technology and manufacturing, essentially building a marketplace for on-demand labor for manufacturing and back up a little bit. And when I was in my eight year time period in corporate America, I supported manufacturing for about three and a half of that from a IT management standpoint. So I was in the shop floor, supported two plants, was in the shop floor, was in the management um, conversations about budgeting and, and product and, and things and understood the constraints of the environment. So when Mike pitched me in the idea, I said, I, this is going to work. I, I, I can't shoot holes in this. Um, I definitely see challenges, but um, I think this is going to work. I think we should do it. Uh, so that was, uh, we formed the company in May 2016. So four years ago this month. Um, Started building the prototype, launched it in February 2017, and and um, now we are in uh, how many states? Uh, six or seven states in tech uh, in in the United States, and um, we're in we're in Texas, Arizona, Alabama, Arkansas, uh, Georgia, Tennessee, and Florida, um, and we have you know over we have around a hundred thousand workers on the platform. 
and we have nearly or over 2000 businesses that have signed up to use us and, and we're, we're rapidly growing, um, less so, uh, at the moment with, with the current, um, pandemic climate, but, uh, we are, we are still, um, thriving and doing well. Um, so yeah, so variable is an on-demand marketplace for manufacturing labor. Yeah. And, uh, could you, um, because that's a, uh, as you said, it's a marketplace, but who's, who are the kind of clients or how, what kind of companies do you have as clients for variable? Sure. That's a great question. So we've built our marketplace and our tool set specifically for manufacturing, supply chain, distribution, um, third party logistics, final mile. Um, so, so the industrial, so the manufacturing, uh, supply chain, we'll, we'll call it those, those two kind of encompass all of it. Um, and so our, our tool, our marketplace is an operational tool for on-demand labor. Kind of this, the way we see it is like this third tier of labor. Um, you've got full-time labor, which is your fixed capacity. You've got, um, uh, temporary staffing, which is staff augmentation. So it's essentially short-term, long-term labor. And then you have, you have your labor needs that really make you efficient. It's like this third labor paradigm for on-demand labor where you can ramp up and ramp down your workforce in short increments to make sure that you have enough capacity to meet new demand. You know, just like any business, your demand rises and falls. Um, you know, it, but you, you probably forecast it in a linear way or even a flat way, especially with capacity. Um, so we provide businesses, we enable businesses a way to, um, match their labor capacity with their demand. Um, on the flip side, so operators, which we call the workers, operators on the platform can work for different companies, string together shifts, um, or ops is what we call them. Um, it's not really shifts. It's more discrete work opportunities. It could be piece rate, could be, you know, task based. Um, they can string together a, uh, you know, a, a set of ops to put together a full-time schedule, work for different companies. And then the big kicker for our workers is that we pay them every day. So if they work an op, the next day after the adjustment time frame, the, the kind of grace period for the business, they get paid right then. So, mm. um, so that's who we serve. We serve, you know, manufacturing workers and we serve manufacturing and supply chain businesses. And how do you, because I can imagine the, those workers are not fluent in everything that they, uh, that they could do. How does that work? Because say, for instance, I have a manufacturing process that maybe, uh, that maybe has some kind of, uh, degree of learning or need to, you need to learn something to be able to do that. How does that work? So how do, how do they, how do they get into that? Sure. That's a, that's a really good question. Um, so what we believe in the manufacturing workspace is that most skills are transferable. Um, you know, you may work for 30 years working this one machine, um, that, you know, uh, you're working at the end of the conveyor belt, you're cutting off insulation, you're rolling it up and you're packaging, right? You did that for 30 yeah. years, you know how to use that machine. What you really know how to do is receive material, package up material, um, you know, ship off material, right? And that's transferable. Um, you know, when we, when there is something that's highly specialized, like say I need a welder in my plant or I need, you know, someone to come in and be, I don't know, something that's a little more specific. We call it the orthodontist story. Um, yep. Whereas you're, if you have a lot of orthodontist work, um, it's not all, all of the task around an orthodontist work is not all of what is needed from the orthodontist, right? You don't mm -hmm. need to hire six orthodontists. You need to hire people that um, you can offload the sort of repetitive tasks, the, the simple tasks where the orthodontist can focus on the work. Um, and the other individuals can handle the, you know, the handing of the tools or the cleaning of the tools or, you know, things like that. So it's the same thing in manufacturing. We encourage, um, our, the businesses we support to look at their operation and think about, okay, what is, what is the work that you can hand off to someone that doesn't necessarily know how to, you know, to weld or doesn't necessarily know how to do something that's very specific. You already have people hired that can do that, that are trained. Why don't you take all the stuff off of their plate so they can focus uh, operationally on the specific things, and then you offload all the rest of it to on-demand labor, to where they can, you know, help you, 
you know, clean up scrap or bring in materials or, you know, manage stuff that's not necessarily specialized to the specific piece of the operations. That, that's a little bit of how we see things. Yeah, that's interesting. It's it's kind of um, it's kind of giving helping hands, right? In this in the sense of uh, uh, you, you see that uh, we'll get to the pandemic in a, in a, in a bit as well. But uh, you see that in in hospitals as well right now, where uh, for example, if they they have like an intensive care or something like that, there are nurses that are maybe not specialized in intensive care care but they uh, can help out in other tasks that maybe don't need you don't need that specific knowledge for that right you can right. you can put them in that kind of situation and that's with all kinds of uh, things where uh, you you don't always need like all as you said all the kind of experts uh, in one place you you can also have an expert that is supported by others and that that's that's I think that's an interesting way to look at it as well. So uh, to to get to that pandemic a little bit, so how how has this affected your business? Because I can imagine that maybe uh, uh, production is slower than normal, and manufacturing manufacturing is slower than normal. How, how has it affected you? Sure, that's a that's a great question too. You know, it's it's we've been really blessed during this time frame. Um, we've more or less remained flat. You know, we haven't grown like we were projecting to. We haven't grown like we want to, but we have, we've remained flat and it's been an interesting turn of events because, you know, just like, you know, there's lots of different businesses uh, out there that do different things, right. You know, dial into the manufacturing of it. There's lots of different industries that are, have manufacturing businesses that support different industries. Right. Um, And what, what I'm getting at is, you know, we have a pretty diverse set of businesses on our platform that are using us. Um, Anywhere from, you know, say like a, like a furniture warehouse to a medical supplies distributor, right? And so what we see during this time is that one may, um, one may drop and the, and the others may rise, right? So the, the healthcare supplies distributors really have been busier than ever, right? And they've been yep. doing a lot sure. of work. They're still maintaining. They're still shipping supplies, um, you know, healthcare workers during this pandemic, uh, which hats off to them. Uh, have been working their tails off still and need those supplies, need those, those things at the front line. So the distributors that we support need people to come in and help them do that. Um, so that's been really helpful during this time to kind of help us maintain um, where we are. So, um, you know, it's been interesting. We, we've all sort of shifted uh, from a, to a work from home um, um, operation right now. We are starting to head in the direction back to back towards the office. Um, so probably the next few weeks we'll all start to be back into the office. Um, perhaps a little different, you know, a little bit more spaced out, um, you know, a little bit stricter guidelines around um, just maybe masks and maybe, you know, cleaning door handles and no shared yeah. food spaces, things like that. But, but we'll be back in the office at, at, at that point. So that's also affected us. You know, we've been bit of transition to a, uh, sort of a remote situation, which is, which has worked out okay. Um, from, from, yeah. uh, from, for the most part. Yeah. But how many people are you at the, at the moment? So our, our team size is around 70 right now. Um, engineering, okay. engineering wise, we are, uh, we're 11 counting me. Um, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the team is, uh, is different market teams. So we have boots on the ground in each physical geographical market, um, because manufacturing thinks a little different. Um, than, than, than a digital solution. So you kind of kind of be there with them. Um, so, uh, so we have boots on the ground there and then we have a, a, a handful of members in our corporate team um, and in our supply team. And so we're all tech, corporate and supplies all housed in, uh, in Dallas. Yeah, and the the funny thing is that uh, the partner that you had that came with the kind of idea and stuff like that, well, he was right. <laughs> it, it did <laughs> it did work out pretty well in that in that sense. He was uh, right. Yeah, he he totally was. Uh, we 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 celebrated you know four years this month, and we were we were talking and just looking back on you know how how uh, how things have worked out and and how we're just getting started, and um, just very excited about about all that we've built and 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 things are working. I do want to get uh, to that idea a little bit because when you were kind of starting out, how did you? Because a lot of people have ideas; it's not the, the not not the thing. But how did you kind of validate? And how did when did you actually see that the idea was working? When did you kind of had that feeling like, okay, this is really going to get somewhere? 
Sure. No, that that make, that's a great question. So we we built the initial solution and we released the our we'll call it our our MVP pilot pilot product in February of 2017. And we didn't hard push market it. We didn't hard push um, try to get businesses on. We did for a few months recruit operators so there would be workers on the platform whenever we did start to go engage businesses. Um so we launched it in February 2017 and how we validated it was essentially just get a handful of businesses. I think, I think at that point we, we found 10 or so that got signed up that were, you know, okay with, you know, working with a startup company that, you know, was really piloting the idea. And we were very transparent about that. We we're like, Hey, we're, we're a new company. We've got a new way of doing things. You know, if you're a little more forward thinking and you want to give this a shot, we'd love to work with you. Um, you know, gave people discounts early on to, uh, just to, you know, get, get some, get some reps essentially on our platform. Um, and they all went really well, you know, they surfaced a lot of feedback on the product, um, things that we should think about from a marketplace standpoint, what would be good for, uh, us to build into the operational tool, uh, build into the marketplace. So we got a lot of great feedback, but, but the core product was validated during that first pilot timeframe. And people came back and they said, yeah, this is great. We'd, we'd love to use it. Yeah. And what, and when you look at ba- when you look back at the kind of four years that you've been uh, in business right now, kind of what's the, the, what's the learning from there, right? Are there things where you're, you were like, okay, we're going to do this idea or we're going to try and do build this or something like that, a feature or whatever it was. And it kind of failed in a sense because there's always some kind of a some something that you didn't expect or at least maybe it pans out as a as a success but you need to pivot it a little bit or whatever what 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 uh, do you have an example of that oh sure yeah yeah we've got we had ideas and, and you know we're, we're startup we're we're no different than other startups in the fact that we have we're always up to our you know elbows and issues right <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's, there's there's been no there's been no shortage of like oh well that didn't work um one that comes to mind is, is we originally thought it was going to be harder to get the workers on the platform over the businesses we thought businesses were going to latch onto the idea we're going to be like yeah i see the operational value i'm going to sign up today no problem where are the workers right and we thought okay if we don't have the work out there the workers aren't going to sign up they're going to be like no i'm going to download this you know we were actually we were actually wrong in that um you know we started to see and, and we've automated um a lot i'd say automated mostly automated our supply recruiting uh through different job boards like zip recruiter or snag a job or um, other things like that, uh, to where we have a regular funnel of people coming onto the platform, discovering the marketplace and, and latching onto signing up. Whereas, whereas the businesses, it takes a little more time and education on how to use this sort of third labor paradigm. We didn't expect that to be as much education and we're, and we're still kind of trying to figure out, okay, how can we how can we move faster in that way? How can we, you know, educate people quicker? How can we walk in and say, I know your industry. I know the problems you have. I know um, that you're probably experiencing labor issues in this area, this area, in this area, and this is how you can fix them. Um, so we're still trying to figure out some of that, some of that formula. But that was, that was interesting that it didn't, it didn't kind of pan out the way that we had thought as far as uh, supply being harder than demand. Um, another thing, you know, and I, I don't know if this was a, this was a failure, but it's, it's sort of a part of the startup story. You know, we, from a technology standpoint, we built the platform on, on top of a framework. Uh, we actually built it on open source parse, um, which mm. was, which is a node based framework. It was bought by Facebook and then they, they couldn't make money on it. So they let it go <laughs> since they gave it away to everybody. Um, yeah. and you know, node base back in with a MongoDB setup, which is great for getting a solution up and, and working quickly. Um, as we started to grow, we immediately saw the limitations of, well, we're going to want to do, you know, sort of advanced computation or advanced analytics. We're going to want to do machine learning. We're going to want to do forecasting. We're going to do all kinds of stuff with this data. And Mongo is not built for that. Um, mm. So we immediately were like, okay, mm. we got to rewrite the backend. If we want to be the de facto, you know, marketplace for labor in manufacturing, the de facto operational tool to expand your labor, we've got to really differentiate ourselves 
not only in what we're offering, but in how we build our technology. So immediately I was like, okay, we got to rewrite our backend. We've got to create our own, um, which took a while. It took some time. And like I said, I don't, I don't feel like that was a failure. I feel like that was a, that's probably, that's probably uh, to me, that feels like part of the journey. But when we went live on the framework, I didn't necessarily see that we were going to have to do that later. So that's where I kind of see it like, okay, whoa, we gotta, we gotta change this because we're not going to be where we want to be if we, if we don't. Yeah, I see. I see those kind of problems. Um, th- those are not uncommon for a lot of startups to to have. Uh, even uh, bigger businesses have these have these problems. the The thing is that uh, the the act of doing that, the act of rewriting that, actually is kind of a success in a in a sense because you know that the you you know your shortcomings, right? There's a lot of companies that don't don't even do that, right? They don't even have a critical look of uh, do do is what we have right now is this software backend or whatever is it still up to par with what we want as a vision right but with what we want as a kind of mission that that we wanted to create a, a company that we wanted to create and uh, i i see that as a actually i see that as something very good when someone is like okay we need to we need to pick this up we need to change it we need to refactor it or we need to rewrite it completely because it's not uh it's not going to help us in the long term mm-hmm. and that's that's something i've noticed a lot where people are like always looking at like okay one or two or three months and not looking at like okay where do we want to be uh, the the kind of cliche is where do you want to be in five years but that, that's a little bit too far stretch right sure. it's more like okay if we're if we're growing with the rate that we are growing um what are the things that are going to kill us or at least hamper us hamper us in that growth uh, and that's that's something that i've uh, that i've noticed is um is something that a lot of people don't think about they're like okay short term this works let's not change anything because it's going to require a lot of a lot of man hours, a lot of uh, time and money spent on on this, and maybe the the client won't even notice it, right? <laughs> that's that's the main thing, right? The people are very visual, and when you're doing backend work, nobody's going to see that in mm-hmm. a sense. Uh, maybe they'll they'll notice it in some loading times or whatever, right? Uh, but it it translates into the front end later on, because as you said, if you need the analytical things, if you need the dashboards, if you need the things, then you can provide that kind of uh, y- you can actually cop- couple that with each other, right? Where you're like, okay, the backend we changed because then we can give you this this front end or this these features that you wanted to have. Absolutely. Um, and uh, but it it is a valuable lesson in a sense where uh, and but it, it's you can't always have all the 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 cards on the table and all the things that you wanted to do. You can't have that b- before you start off with a project like this. Mm-hmm. You don't know that you. You, you're like, okay, uh, we probably are going to build this and this and this. It's going to have this and this. And then later on, when uh, demand comes in and feedback comes in, you're like, okay, this is really, really, is a really good idea. Maybe a client said it or whatever, but we can't support that because we didn't think of that in, in the first thing. As you said, you used Mongo, which is pretty okay for a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to do kind of analytical things or, as you said, it's not built for that it's not built for, built to do that there are better solutions for that right uh we had a project where we did where we actually are using mongo as well for kind of collecting and stuff like that collecting the data but we also put it in for example Elasticsearch, where we're like okay we want to be able to query it very fast and we want to get out like the 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 exports and stuff like that so uh, but that's that's something that we knew because we already had the idea. We already we were rewriting a, a, an an existing kind of system. We knew what the kind of things were that people are asking for, and that's that's easier when you're doing it like that sure. instead of uh, having a startup or whatever, right? Right, right. Uh, uh, you you are the CTO for for a variable as well. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, being a CTO because um, I, I think it's always a kind of interesting role within a company. Uh, sometimes a little bit, um, it, it should be highlighted more sometimes I feel like, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, what, 
what do you like about being a CTO? What, what, what are some of the things that you, you enjoy on a day-to-day basis? Right. So, you know, being a tech guy for a long time, I, I definitely enjoy, <clears throat> excuse me, definitely enjoy software architecture. I, I enjoy creating elegant solutions with software to really make an impact. And, you know, that's, that's at the, um, you know, sort of the foundation at why, of, of why I like being a CTO, but, you know, it's, it's really interesting in, in being a CTO, it's kind of this middle point between engineering, between product and between business, right? Because you're, you know, product wise, you're helping dream up the product because you were saying, okay, to solve these problems, this is what we could build and this is how we can make it feel. And this is the experience we could create. And so you're heavily involved in the product aspect of it. You're obviously heavily involved in the engineering part of it and the architecture and how that sure. how that comes out. But then the business side of it too, you got to think about, okay, if we're going to build a solution to accomplish X, Y, and Z, um, you know, to where we solve this problem, you also got to think about it from a business standpoint. Is it going to perform well? Is it going to cost a lot of money? Um, you know, it, do we have the right people? Uh, is our team capable? Uh, of doing this how are we going to maintain this long time how are we going to support it are we going to need you know x y and z too so building a functional organization that wow as well is, is at least part of my role where um where i have to you know put on the manager um manager hat and um you know try, try to manage that side of things so it's it's this really cool intersection of all three of those things which really is really exciting to me it keeps it interesting all the time yeah, I, I I kind of uh, I kind of see that the same way uh, because uh, one thing that I've uh, I've also noticed when building these kind of products is like you're you have this this product that you want to build and then all these questions come up right uh, where are we going to host it how are we going to uh, are we going to use services cloud services that are are already out there right say for instance you want to have a, a, a data warehouse or you want to have uh, I don't know, serverless or whatever. If you want all these kind of services, um, there's always these kind of these kind of trade-offs, right? Um, okay, maybe I'm going to take this service. It costs me a little bit more on a per user basis or whatever you want, however you want to to calculate that. But on the other hand, I don't need to manage that anymore. So that doesn't cost me anything anymore. I don't need to have someone that's doing ops or whatever to to manage that server or whatever the the service is running on. So it's a little bit, uh, these are kind of all kind of questions that CTOs get, right? Uh, These are all, and I think Almost across the board, whatever CTO I talk to, they all have the same kind of things that they are working on. They're all in that kind of intersection, as you said, like translating the kind of business things, the business, uh, well, the business cases actually to a particular way of doing that in a software product. Uh, of course, they're they're supported by by your team or whatever. You have a team that is going to. Uh, make you make a good UI for it. Make a good UX as well, for, which, which is very important. A lot of people don't see that as part of technology, but it is right. It is a huge part of how your your software product is going to be used. So those are those are kind of things that um, uh, when I look at myself, that speaks to me uh, about this role, uh, this role that you and I are both in. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's that it's not. Um, it's not just technology. It's not just like that, right? You're also uh, you're also a leader in a sense, but also you're looking at it from a business perspective. How are we going to get to get it better and stuff like that? So it's that's the 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 I, I would. It's not for everyone. I mean, there's a lot of uh, tech uh, guys and girls that uh, just want to be developers and want to be the best developer ever. I knew from my and I knew that I'm not going to be the best engineer or not going to be the best software developer mm-hmm. but I know how to get a team to 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 function right and that's the that's the thing that that hooked me on being uh, being a CTO because I don't develop myself sometimes I do a proof of concept in a small kind of manner and then I let the developers run with it because I'm like you guys know your sh- you, you know your stuff right sure. you, you you know what you know what you want to do so go ahead and run with it uh, but th- that's that's what uh, that's what kind of draw drew me into being a CTO as well yeah I totally relate uh, to that 
Where, where uh, because I have two more questions before we wrap up, where, where do you see kind of variable moving into the future, but also where do you see yourself going with the podcast as well? Because uh, I think that's, that's both are a, a big part of who you are. So could you tell a little bit about what you think is going to happen? Yeah, sure. So from a variable standpoint, we're going to keep growing, um, you know, post pandemic, we're going to evaluate sort of how, you know, how we operate moving forward, but it's really not going to change much from what I can, when I can see, um, we're going to expand across the United States. That's our goal, um, to essentially be, be in every state. Um, uh, California is probably last They're They're the toughest, uh, but, uh, but every other state and, and support manufacturing, you know, really introduce this third labor paradigm, enable flexible capacity for businesses and, and really enable flexibility period for our workers, um, on the platform. Um, so that's our goal there from a technology standpoint, we're going to, we're going to be building, um, well, let's say building, we're, we're always building new features in the product, more intelligence, more integration with enterprise software, um, we have a vision and a point of view on how we, where we see the digital factory going, um, industry 4.0 or what, you know, I, there's lots of terms that people throw out and define, but basically, you know, enterprise sure. software going up to cloud, a horizontal connectivity, vertical connect, vertical connectivity, data sharing, um, you know, all of that stuff. And we want to be poised in that ecosystem to sit right in as the de facto labor, um, flexible labor solution. Um, we have, you know, plans to build in lots of different things to automate the pulling in of information, calculation of on-demand work needs, and then, um, and then posting those work needs as well. Um, and also making our platform more performant. Like we're in the middle of a, of a transition to, you know, to microservices or I, I'll call them, um, mini monoliths. Um, because there's there's an extreme view of microservices down to the yep. object level, and I'm, I don't buy that. Um, so you know the the right size of monolith um, to to be a microservice. So we're in the middle of that transition to make our platform more performant um, as we aligned with our growth. Um, so that's that's a good thing um, to have to do that because we're growing. Um, so yeah, those are kind of the big things on our radar right now. You know, I like what you said earlier about the five-year plan. You know, you want to have a five-year idea, right? Um, mm -hmm. You want to have an idea of where things can go, but to really plan and execute what we usually do, you know, 10 to 12 month uh, roadmaps and, and yeah, exactly. you know, across the organizations. So all of the organizations have their essentially their 10 to 12 month roadmaps of what we're trying to accomplish. And, um, you know, and we work that roadmap and, and we make a plan and then we work the plan. Because we're up yeah. to our elbows and issues, we're trying to do something new uh, and, and introduce something new. So we don't, we can't know everything, but we can be agile and have a point of view and be able to adapt where we need to. So that's kind of what the future looks like for for variable. Very cool. Um, on, on the podcast, you know, I'm gonna, I'm going to keep interviewing guests. Uh, I really enjoy it. It's a it's a great. Um, it's a really great sort of side thing for me. Um, call, almost call it a hobby because I really enjoy having the conversations. I can really attach to personally attach to a lot of the stories. Um, so the idea is to keep, you know, keep rolling out seasons. Um, you know, we are looking for sponsors, uh, at different seasons, different episodes, things like that, how to monetize it a little bit. Um, but I'm not looking to become, you know, a gazillionaire on a podcast. I'm, I'm really just looking no. to, to pump out good, good content, surface these stories and, um, you know, give some, give people something enjoyable to listen to from a startup, um, a human tech visionary story, which I think is, yeah. is really valuable. Yeah, and you, as you said, you, you learn from it yourself as well. You, you can always get something from it yourself. And uh, uh, you're number 82 at the moment. So <laughs> I've, I've talked to a lot of people and you, you kind of, you kind of see the things. You, you also see trends. You also see like things where you're like, oh yeah, in tech, these are the kind of trends that are going on right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and you see that shifting as well, where yeah. uh, people are starting. Uh, when I started the podcast, I think it was, uh, it's almost two years ago, actually. I think mm. it's two years Congrats. ago. And, uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, it's, 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 
I think it's next month or something like that. But uh, anyway, it's it's you see that you see what people were talking about two years ago, and you're seeing what they are talking about right now. Of course, there's a pandemic and stuff like that. But <laughs> outside of that, the the technology part, you, you see that um, uh, back then it was like everybody was talking about blockchain and stuff like that, and now everybody's talking about artificial intelligence and you're like yeah we're r- right <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're gonna do our <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do our own th- our own thing and see what is actually uh, what actually works for us mm-hmm. so um, th- that's been an interesting ride for for me as well so I have one more question uh, mm-hmm. the last question I always ask uh, what are you kind of most proud of since you started variable but also I think we should pull that into the podcast as well. So what, what are you most proud of, for, of of both things? Sure, sure. So variable, I'm proud of the team. Um, I'm easily, this has been the best team I've ever, I've ever worked with, ever created. Um, you know, the, the people that I work with are just outstanding and the culture that we've created, um, you know, we can respond to each other's, you know, little nuance things, you know, we can we can sort of understand where each other's minds are going. Um, and, and I, I don't have to get hands on with architecture or coding or anything like that. I have, I have so much trust for my team and that's just, um, that's an amazing, amazing place to be. I'm really thankful for them. So that, I'm definitely proud of, of the team at variable. And from a podcast standpoint, you know, I, I'm, I'm super proud that, that it's out there and, and people like it, you know, um, you know, I, I think for me, it's a, it's a bit of artistic expression, uh, for me. And so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a weird hybrid of right brain and left brain. And, um, I, I really, I really like the expression that the podcast is for me. It's, it's almost like, here's a piece of art. What do you think? And so when I get feedback mm-hmm. on it, I, I really like feedback, positive or negative, but it means people are listening and that means they're enjoying the stories. And, you know, when I talk to people and, and they're like, yeah, I remember that episode. I remember this piece of, you know, you know, what Ryland said or what, you know, um, you know, what the, the well, I'm trying to remember the guy's name from, um, uh, <laughs> from Reddit, uh, Christopher Slow, you know, what he said about the early days of Reddit, you know, or, um, you know, so many great, so many great guys, Cortland Allen, you know, talking about how he built indie hackers and, and, and things like that. I just get to be a part on the, of those stories, um, get to see people excited about them. And that, that's really rewarding. Yeah. And it's cool to hear the stories from people that are listening, right? Uh, it's cool to hear that someone is listening. That's, that, that's already <laughs> a thing where you're like, uh, you, you maybe don't even expect that, right? Because you're, you're just uh, maybe recording from your own room or just in a room with someone else and you're just recording and you're like, who's going to listen to this and there is people that are actually going to listen to it yeah. that, that's that's the that's the cool thing about it for so sure so where can uh, where can people find the variable and the code story on the internet sure sure so uh, variable our our website's the best thing um, is variableops.com uh, code story is codestory.co or any major podcast director you can just search for code story um, you can learn more about me at at uh, noahlabhart.com and that kind of links to all the other stuff too Sure, I'll put all of this in the in the show notes as well, so people can find it uh, really easily. Um, Noah, thanks a lot. It was a great uh, great talking to you. I think uh, we <laughs> we touched on a lot of points, and I I really enjoyed it. Absolutely, me too. Thanks for having me, and, and great job on your podcast. Really enjoy it. Thank you, thank you. No problem at all. And uh, of course, for the listeners, you can find the Bits vs Byte podcast on bitsvsbytes.com and all major podcasting platforms. Just search for Bits vs Bytes. And uh, there's a newsletter. If you haven't uh, signed up for it yet, uh, you can do so by going to uh, Bits vs Bytes or bitsvsbytes.com/newsletter, and uh, you'll get five things about technology, business, and leadership uh, every two weeks on Friday. And I think you are already signed up, right? No, <laughs> I, I am. Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a follower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you, you can you could probably attest to uh, to having the newsletter in your mailbox every two weeks. <laughs> Absolutely, sign up sign up today. It's it's chock full of great stuff. Very cool. Uh, and uh, of course, thank you for listening. And until next time. <laughs>